Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia is Malaysia's only real party destination. As its capital and largest city, this might be the only place to find real clubs and wild nights. That is exactly what Nick's friends were hoping for. They had heard of the nightlife and the beautiful women of Kuala Lumpur. Nick, on the other hand, was hoping to rekindle an old flame with his college sweetheart. They were not disappointed. The nightlife was loud and wild. The women were exotic and friendly, and Nick finally got to see Amina after three long years. But despite their fortune in finding such a beautiful destination with so many beautiful women, not all of them would make it home to talk about their adventure. Walking the streets in Malaysia at night can be dangerous. A beautiful woman may be a vengeful spirit who not only hates men, but wants to eviscerate them and consume them. It's not only your heart you have to worry about, but your every organ. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world until terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week, thanks to a request from Rebecca B., we are discussing the white lady of Asian folklore, the Kuntilaunak, an angry, vengeful spirit who hates men. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. As soon as school had let out for the summer, fourth-year medical student Nick and his friends Scott and Sam headed to a tropical destination that they had dreamed about since Nick had fallen head over heels for a beautiful young woman from Malaysia named Amina. It had been his freshman year, and he had met her working in the campus coffee shop. She had large almond eyes and a beautiful, kind smile. He had gone on to get his heart broken when she had left school and moved back home to Kuala Lumpur after her mother's death to help raise her younger siblings. They had been inseparable that first year, and after she left, they talked almost every night for many weeks. When Amina's dad got sick a few months later, all of that changed. She was busy a lot and stressed out most of the time. They eventually were only talking a couple of times a month. Fast forward and three years had gone by, and Nick had yet to meet anyone that made him feel the way that she had. Convinced that she was the love of his life, he bought three plane tickets and planned his first ever trip to Malaysia. His friends had insisted on accompanying him, he knew they only wanted to party. It didn't matter to him, though. He was glad for the company. He was originally going to surprise her, 
but after considering that he didn't know for sure what her life had been like these last few years, he changed his mind. So opting for the safe option, he had called her and with excitement she had planned to pick him up at the Kuala Lumpur International Airport. Nick was nervous and Scott and Sam's infectious excitement was making it worse. His worries faded though when he caught sight of Amina's bright smile at the airport and could see that she was just as anxious to see him as he was her. She looked amazing. Her long dark curly hair almost reached her waist now and her eyes were just like he remembered. It wasn't like he hadn't seen her on his phone, but seeing her in person after so long was breathtaking. Could it be possible that she was even more beautiful now? Nick wasn't sure whether to pull her into his arms or just give her a kiss on the cheek, but she made the decision for him when she flung her arms around his neck. Delighted by the warm embrace, Nick hugged her back. Amina pulled back after a few seconds and asked, Where to first? It has been so long, and we have so much to talk about. Well, we should probably get checked into our hotel and get rid of this luggage. After that, I thought we could get some dinner and catch up. What do you think? Nick asked. Sounds perfect. I have the whole evening free. The kids are old enough now to stay by themselves, and I have a couple of days off from work. Finally, Scott cleared his throat and interrupted. I don't mean to be anti-lovebirds, but Sam and I may go sightseeing while you guys eat and talk about old times. I personally would like to go see what we can find to do here. Or who, Sam added under his breath with a smirk. Nick shrugged. That's okay with me. I'm here for Amina, not the nightlife. Amina blushed. Okay then. Let's get you guys to your hotel. We only have a couple of hours of daylight left. Hailing a cab, they loaded their things and headed to the Shangri-La Sands. Nick wasn't sure what to expect since he let Sam pick out the hotel. But he wasn't disappointed. The hotel was fantastic. The Shangri-La had three outdoor pools and a mini water park. The rooms were huge and theirs overlooked the beach. The best part for Scott and Sam was that it was within walking distance to the Batu Ferengi night market which Amina informed them was open until past midnight. After checking in and leaving their bags in their rooms, Nick and Amina parted ways with Sam and Scott for the evening. Deciding to get a bite to eat first, they found a cozy little cafe located inside the hotel. It had been so long since they had been together, but oddly enough, it felt like, for that moment, they had never been apart. Amina told him about taking care of the kids for her dad while he worked, and then taking care of him when he got sick. She also told him about taking some night classes after her dad had gotten better, and hoping to be able to go back to school soon. She told him she wanted him to meet her family, and that he should come by tomorrow and she would prepare him a traditional Malaysian meal just like she used to in school. It was sunset by the time they finished eating, so they decided to take a walk on the beach. It was the perfect first evening. It was getting late when Amina told Nick she had to head home. Nick offered to walk her, but Amina shook her head. It is too far. 
but I will let you get me a cab. Nick walked her back to the hotel, and before Amina climbed into the cab, she scribbled her address onto a piece of paper. You may already have this, but here you go just in case. See you around three tomorrow afternoon? I will be there, three o'clock sharp. And with a peck on his cheek, she lowered herself into the cab and rode off into the night. Nick was in a state of euphoria the rest of the evening. He looked like a lovesick pup. Everything was working out better than he could have ever imagined. He went back to the room and showered. He was half asleep by the time Sam and Scott came stumbling in. He thought they may have been drunk. He heard Sam say, That chick was crazy. I thought she was going to claw your eyes out. Sounded like they had an interesting night. But he would wait until tomorrow to ask questions. Nick wasn't ready to share his evening just yet. So he pretended to be sleeping. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Kunti Nalak can be easily confused with several other female monsters from the regions of Asia, so I hope the research does her justice. The Kunti Launak in Indonesia, or the Pontianak, as it is called in Malay, is a female vampiric ghost in mythology. It is also known as a Matianak, or Kunti Launak may sometimes be shortened to Kunti. Pontianak is called Shurel or Shurel in Bangladesh, India, and Pakistan. They are said to be the spirits of women who died while pregnant. The Kunti Launak is the spirit of a woman who died before being able to give birth, where the Pontianak is the spirit of a woman who gives birth to a stillborn child. Alternatively, in many ways the two spirits may get confused or combined in folklore, but are almost always described as a vampiric, vengeful female spirit. Another form of the Kunti Launak or the Pontianak refers to the ghost of the White Lady of Southeast Asian folklore. This figure was also named after the province of Western Kalimantan region of Borneo. The Kunti Launak, Pontianak, is often depicted as a long-haired woman dressed in white, and it represents local variations of a vampire. 
the white lady lures in unsuspecting men to incite fear and enact revenge. Signs that a Kuntinaulak or a Pontianak is nearby include the sound of an infant crying and the smell of a decaying corpse, or the plumeria flower, which is most fragrant at night. She seeks to punish all men and their families whom she blames for the loss of her child. Whether the blame is unfounded or not, the spirit is angry at the people connecting her to her unborn child, or many times, just men in general. Kuntilaunak is often described as an astral female spirit. Another version of this figure is a woman's spirit with long, sharp fingernails. It is like the spirit of a woman unable to give birth while her stillborn child was inside her womb. This figure is mainly known to reside in the Kalimantan region, containing the city of Pontianak. The Kuntinalak can disguise herself using the appearance of a beautiful woman to lure her prey. In Malaysia, lore depicts them as vampiric bloodsuckers that rip through the internal organs of men. The Kuntinalak is derived from myths and folktales, some of which are particularly popular in Kalimantan, Borneo. Being one of the most famous pieces of Indonesian folklore, it inspired the name of a capital city in the western Kalimantan region called Pontianak. The city of Pontianak had a long history. It was founded and infested by ghosts, until the founding father and first sultan of Pontianak, Indonesia fended off the ghosts. After the two shots were fired at the exact same spot, then the sultanate, had planned to construct the foundation of a mosque and a palace there at the forest. The first sultan of the Pontianak Sultanate, whose reign lasted from 1771 to 1808, was haunted by these wicked creatures. Today, the palace is covered in trees and locals still believe it is haunted by the Pontianak. It is tradition to shoot carbide cannons made from logs to pay tribute to the sultan. The Kuntilaunak or Pontianak is often depicted as a beautiful woman with pale skin, red eyes, and long black hair. She is often dressed in a blood-smeared white dress. The Pontianak is also described as changing into a more monstrous form when she captures her prey, which is typically men or helpless people. Because she is bloodthirsty and has a carnivorous nature, a Pontianak can also appear as a beast or a ghost, resembling Dracula the Vampire. Kuntinalak only appears under the full moon and typically announces her presence with the cries of infants or feminine laughter. It is said that if the sounds are quiet, she is nearby, but if they are loud, she is far away. Some sources also state that a dog howling at night indicates that a Kuntinalak is present, but not too close. If the dog whines, then a Kuntinalak is nearby. Its presence is also said to be heralded by a floral fragrance, identifiable as that of the plumeria flower, followed by a stench like that of a decaying corpse. The Kuntinalak kills her victims by using her long fingernails to physically remove their internal organs to be eaten. In cases where the Kuntinalak desires revenge and retribution against a man, it is said to eviscerate the victim with its hands. If a victim has their eyes open when a Kuntinalak is near, she will suck them out of their head. The Kuntinalak is said to locate her prey by the scent of their clean laundry. 
Because of this, some Malaysians refused to leave any piece of clothing outside their house overnight. The Kuntinalak is associated with banana trees, as is the Pontianak, and her spirit is said to reside in them during the day. According to folklore, a Kuntinalak can be fought off by driving a nail into the hole in the nape of her neck, which causes her to turn into a beautiful woman and a good wife until the nail is removed. In some cases, it is believed that if you fill the hole in the nape of her neck with her hair, that it will have the same effect. When a man approaches her in her female form, the Kuntinalak suddenly turns and reveals that her back is hollow. In Southeast Asia, legend has it that a man out alone at night must never look directly at a beautiful woman because she might be a ghost that rips his guts out. For anyone who's ever been harassed whilst walking late at night, that sounds like one refreshing rule. According to folklore in Malaysia, Indonesia, and Singapore, a pregnant woman who dies in childbirth or because of male-inflicted violence turns into a ghost known as the Kuntinalak or Pontianak. Wearing a white dress with long dark hair, the Kuntinalak seduces men before using her dagger-like nails to tear open their stomachs and devour the organs in a bloody feast. A source of terror to both children and adults, she is one of the most popular spirits in Southeast Asia a region where superstitions make up the fabric of daily life. Parents often use her as an example for children. Young girls are ordered to tie their hair back by elderly relatives, otherwise they'll look like the Pontianak or the Kuntinalak. Bring the Kuntinalak up in conversation. I've found at least one person will claim to have known someone who's seen her in parks or woods. A favorite of horror film directors, the Kuntinalak is often portrayed as a social outcast who's fallen in some way, often by failing in her duties as a mother. But the Kuntinalak also embodies a subversive female energy that is increasingly being embraced by a new wave of writers and filmmakers. She can walk alone and not have to be accompanied by a man. She can be as beautiful and provocative as she wants. She can be extremely gentle or a massive flirt, but if you dare touch her without her consent, her claws will come out. Kuala Lumpur-based filmmaker Amanda Nell Yu tells Broadly, Yu's 2017 short film, It's Easier to Raise Cattle, screened at the Singapore International Film Festival, depicts a friendship between two countryside girls, one of whom is revealed to be a Kuntinalak, Rather than focus on her killings, however, the film pays more attention to how the bond between the two protagonists lasts, even after the Kuntinalak's nocturnal activities are discovered. The Kuntinalak appears fragile, but is ferocious when provoked. The Kuntinalak mimics vulnerability and seemingly gentility through her high-pitched baby cries and fragrant scent, but try and take advantage of her and she'll suck out your eyeballs explains Singaporean author Charlene Tao, whose debut novel, Ponty, was inspired by the myth. The book is an account of three Singaporean women whose lives become intertwined through the Pontianak or Kuntinalak myth. One of the protagonists is an actor who plays the Pontianak in B-grade horror movies. 
The myth resonates with up-and-coming directors, artists, and writers, in part because the Kuntinalak challenges the social expectations of traditional Malay societies. The Kuntinalak, Pontianak, isn't able to be a mother in a culture where reproduction is essential to a woman's identity, so she disrupts Malay ideals of femininity. The Kuntinalak's vindictive nature helps to provide a mythic counterpoint to the real-life experience of being a woman in a patriarchal society. The Kunti Nalak, who has endured violence and suffering, avenges the real-life crimes women living in society experience daily, such as femicide, rape, and domestic abuse. She is righting the injustices within a traditional society that has many constraints for women. The Kunti Nalak's murderous violence, however, is only viewed as legitimate because she's dead. It says a lot about Asian society that we cannot grant agency to living women but only when they're undead. Some may view the Kuntinalak's violence as morally questionable, but it can be interpreted as a form of power and freedom. I feel a great sympathy for the Kuntinalak, Pontianak, filmmaker Yu goes on explaining that the ghost is a creation of social fears. On first sight, you're afraid of her, but afterwards you realize that the real monsters are humans and society. All horror stories are created from this. Yu is on a quest to dissect and retell tales about Malaysia's female ghosts. Tao also hopes that her novel will help change our deep-rooted perceptions of monsters highlighting the Babadook as a case in point. A top-hat-wearing creature from the 2014 Australian psychological thriller film of the same name, the Babadook hides in dark corners and has since been turned into a LGBTQI icon. Revisionist interpretations of famous monsters can be positive, Tao tells. Why not speak positivity in popular representations of horror and fear? The Kunti Nalak and Pontianak have not quite made it into Western culture, but hopefully in the future we will see films and stories that will enlighten us on this vengeful female spirit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nick was up early the next morning. He was way too excited to sleep in. His friends were sound asleep still, and Sam was snoring up a storm from the sofa. He left them that way and made his way to the hotel gym. It was a nice gym, and he spent an hour working out before returning to the room to shower. He couldn't help but laugh when he walked through the door and the scene from earlier had not changed. Both guys still passed out. But now Scott was snoring. His stomach was growling by the time he got out of the shower. Sam was sitting up rubbing his eyes when he walked back into the room. Hey, I'm glad you're up. I'm starving. Would you like to go down and get something to eat? They have the biggest breakfast buffet down there that I have ever seen. Yeah, man, but we should probably wake Scott. 
We didn't get much to eat last night. The market was cool and all, but we got a little distracted. There was this club, but we can tell you about it over breakfast. Hey, Scott, get your ass up. It only took the two of them about 20 minutes to get around. They headed down to breakfast together, and Nick had the feeling there was quite a story waiting to be told. For the first time that morning, Nick noticed that Sam had scratches on his face. Hey, what did you do to your face? Looks like you fell into a thorn bush. It's the craziest thing, Sam began to explain. I was talking to this sexy, dark-haired beauty. She seemed sweet, even kind of shy. I thought we were hitting it off. We had been talking for a while when I noticed her drink was empty and I offered to buy her another one. She accepted my offer and I went to the bar to place the order. Well, when I got back, she had her back turned to me, so I nudged her elbow just to get her attention. I barely touched her and she swung around so fast I didn't even see it coming and clawed the hell out of my face. I didn't stick around to ask her what her problem was. I laid the drinks down and called it a night. I told Scott if all the women around here were psychotic, then I would just go snorkeling or something the rest of the week. That is crazy, Nick said. Do you think maybe she thought you were someone else? I don't know, man, but after that I didn't care. I've had my fair share of crazy females and I don't want no part of that. I like a woman with spirit, but not with an evil spirit. Did she even apologize? Nick asked. That was the even crazier part. Not only did she not apologize, but she looked very satisfied with herself. Nick was disappointed that Sam's first night had been a letdown, so he offered to hang out with them at the pool and have a few drinks before time to go to Amina's. After a few hours and a few drinks and almost too much sun, Nick excuses himself to go get ready for his dinner date. He pulled the piece of paper with the address out of his wallet and reads it for the first time. He had Amina's address in his phone, but the one on the paper didn't look right. Something was off. He searched his phone until he found her contact information, and sure enough the house number was different. He brushed it off as a mistake on his part and picked up the hotel phone to ask the front desk to get him a cab. Amina had been right. She lived too far away from the hotel to walk, especially after dark. The neighborhood that her address brought him to was sketchy at best. The streets were lined with garbage that looked like it had been piling up for months. There were little kids, but they ran behind a fence when they saw him like they were scared. They just stood and peeked through the chain link with curious brown eyes. Not that Nick assumed a poor neighborhood meant danger, but he had a weird feeling in the pit of his stomach, like he was being watched, and not just by those kids. Most of the house numbers were missing from the walls. He tried looking for mailboxes, but they weren't arranged directly in front of the homes. Finally, after walking up and down the same street three times, Nick saw an elderly man sitting on his porch rocking in a chair. He stopped and asked him if he knew the address. The man pointed to a house almost directly across the street from where he was sitting. Looking at Nick curiously, the old man asked, Who are you looking for? 
a friend of mine from college. Her name is Amina. This is the address that she gave me last night after dinner. Young man, the older man continues, that house has been empty for almost three years. The mother died, and the oldest daughter came back home from school to help her father. They say that the daughter found out that she was pregnant, and that the father, ashamed and in a rage, beat her to death. Nick was so confused. He pulled his cell phone out of his pocket and dialed Amina's number. He got a recording at first, saying that the number was out of service. But when he tried again, a familiar voice answered, and he was relieved. Amina, thank God. I am at the address you gave me, but the house is empty. It looks abandoned. After a moment of silence, Amina finally replies, I am sorry, Nick. My little sister got sick, and I had to bring her to the doctor. I should have called you. Do you think you could just meet me tonight on the beach in front of the hotel around sunset? I promise I will make it up to you. Of course. I understand things happen. I will see you then, and I hope your sister is going to be okay. After their brief exchange, Nick said goodbye and hung up the phone. He called the cab company, but they said it would be an hour or more before they could get there. It was at least three hours until sunset, and if he started walking now, he could probably make it back in time or at least find a cab on his way. He walked for more than two hours, and it was dusk by the time he finally saw the hotel. He needed a shower, but didn't want to risk missing Amina, so he headed straight for the beach. The sunset was going to be gorgeous, and the beach was still empty, so Nick found a chair that someone had left and plopped down in it to wait. He was watching the sunset and thinking about their future, wondering if they would be able to rebuild the relationships they had once had. His mind slipped back for a moment to the story the old man had told him about the girl being beaten by her father, and Nick got a chill. A warm breeze had begun to blow, and with it Nick caught a strong scent of decay and flowers, a weird combination. He looked around to see if he had accidentally sat too close to a trash can, but he didn't see one. What he did see made him forget about the foul odor for a moment. Farther down the beach was a woman. It had to be Amina. The hair was right, and the build was right. But it was just too dark to be sure. Nick stood up and decided to walk in that direction. Amina or not, this woman looked magical. She was wearing all white, and she almost floated across the sandy beach. The smell hit him again, harder this time, and with it came the sound of a baby crying. Nick almost gagged, but covered his nose and continued towards the woman in white. She had stopped mere yards from him. The full moon outlined her body and flowing dress. He still could not see her features. Amina, is that you? Nick said in a hoarse whisper. The woman began to giggle. At first it sounded like bells tinkling, but then it grew louder, and as it did... The stench and the smell of flowers grew stronger. The woman slowly reached into her white dress and pulled out a small bundle. 
Again, Nick heard a baby cry. He backed up a step and stumbled, but didn't fall. The woman slowly raised her eyes to look at Nick. It was Amina, but she was no longer beautiful. Her flesh hung on her cheeks, and her eye sockets were hollow. She began to laugh again and said, What's wrong, Nick? You don't want to hold our daughter? Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts such as Unexplained Encounters and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Tune in next week as we discuss a creature of gargantuan size that dwells off the coast of Norway and Greenland and terrorizes sailors. The formidable, mythical Kraken. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.